Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. There's a cat over here. There's a cat over there. And the wrong one died. And the wrong one died. Welcome to The Wrong Cat Died, the podcast breakdown of the cat's catastrophe. I'm your host, Mike Abrams, and today we have another special guest. He's one of the hosts of a fellow Broadway podcast network show called The Broadway Husbands. He's the Broadway life coach. You may have seen him on Broadway in Wicked or Little Mermaid or on your big screen in The Wolf of Wall Street. But most importantly, he's been in two different productions of Cats, and that's why he's here today. So, Brett Schufer, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy to be here. I am excited to hear about your both of your productions. But before we get into your experience with the show, I want to hear about your experience with the show before you were in them. So were you, I mean, how did Cats play a part in your musical theater experience? Was it something you saw as a kid or is it something you picked up on later in life? Funny that you ask. The national tour, I didn't really know Cats except for like David Letterman. You know, because then I don't know if you remember David Letterman used to go go over to the Winter Garden and have the cats come do stuff at his theater. Um, did you know I that? I did not know that. But you fellow should, you Hoosier, should, David Letterman. You should YouTube it because he, he used to used to go pick on that because the theater was like really close to his theater. And also the Flash Dancers, the adult strip club that was like across the street as well. He used to go pick on both of those venues. Um, and then also there was that show that um god what was it called um caroline um it was a sitcom called caroline something um from the 90s and her roommate was clarissa explains explains it all no 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 okay and i think it, it had um caroline sitcom it's gonna kill me what was it called caroline in the city you remember that sitcom? I do not remember that sitcom. And it starred, um, what's her name from Back to the Future? Um, God, my brain is not working. It's Friday. Uh, what's her name from Back to the Future that was like the love interest in Back to the Future? Anyway, she she had her roommate was in Cats. And so I remember those two things specifically about Cats. And I'd never seen the show until like whatever 20th national tour came to my hometown of orange, Texas for two nights. And my parents got me front row seats. And I, I actually know a couple of people who are on that tour. Now they're actually friends of mine, but at the time I was 15 or 14 and um, I was just mesmerized, mesmerized by the dancing and the lighting and the costumes. And I remember one of the things that happened to that, I had this very vivid dream of being in the show. Like it was a very vivid, I remember waking up and being like, I had a dream I was in cats last night. Who, which cat were you in that dream? I don't even know. Cause I, you know, when you see the show the first time, you don't know who's who, like nobody's anybody. It's just, <laughs> I still like, don't know who's, I still don't yeah, know who's a, who half the time. It's a blur. You know, I was like, I was somebody in a unitard crawling around on stage, but it was cool. <laughs> That's that's awesome. And so then you kind of go on and you originally get to become a swing in the Westchester Broadway show. What was the what was the theater here? 
Yeah, the Westchester Broadway Dinner Theater, which Dinner Theater, is, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They actually had the I think they had the first licensing rights of the production right after it closed. At least that's what they had told us. Whether yeah, that's, that's true, I don't know. That's the marketing um, line. <laughs> so we ended up I ended up getting cast. And the reason why I say that is because it was set by the resident choreographer and the resident music director both set that production. And I was a swing. I covered Monkey Strap. I covered Skimbleshanks. And I covered like Alonzo. And I think one other track, I can't remember who it was. And then um, I was a, a pit, you know, one of the pit singers. Okay. So what I'm always interested about is when you're, especially as a swing, what were you told about the characters? Like when you were like taking them on, like were you given backstories? Were you given like 2016, they were given three words for each cat, but what were you told at, a, at the Westchester Broadway dinner theater about how to portray each character? Well, they don't really break it down into characters as much as they break it down as a tribe, right? So it all starts with you being a tribe and everyone's sort of crawling around. And then when you start learning the numbers is when they explain relationships within the numbers, which doesn't mean that's consistent throughout the show. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, definitely. So they'll be like, you know, this person is this to you in this song, but then like three songs later, there are nobody to you like it doesn't it doesn't make sense in that way um because it's poems you know it's weird <laughs> well it's a, yeah it's a very loose loose plot kind of pulled together with a couple different, different i themes. guess i will tell you okay i'll tell you you know mccavity they would tell you is like the leader of the group he sort of helps comfort everyone and bring uh you know sort of direction to the evening that's, well, that's got to be old deuteronomy not mccavity that's, Sorry, I didn't mean McCavity. I meant um, Monkey Strap. Monkey Strap. Okay. Um, yeah. Nar- the the right. narrator. Sort of, yeah, yeah. The narrator. He sort of like helps bring comfort to everyone and protect everyone from McCavity. I think that's why I was thinking. Of yeah, yeah. You know, he helps kind of be the sort of the leader of the group. Okay. So you were given, so you're not given a lot going in. Did With it being a di- dinner theater, did they <laughs> alter the menu to be cats themed? No, no, this place is so budget. It's like, it's, I think they serve the same thing every night. I know dessert was always the same. It was was a Peaches Melba. What a missed opportunity. And we would do, we would be killing ourselves on this thrust stage, doing the Jellicle ball, dying, panting, and then we da 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 and land, and somebody would just be sitting there eating a peach melba. <laughs> Did Bustopher Jones, whoever played this in this theater, go out and actually eat off of someone's plate in the crowd? I don't, I don't remember him doing that, but that's a brilliant idea. I think he did walk through the house, but I think they tried to keep food away from him. Okay, and how long was your was your run there? They always do kind of long runs. I think they always do like three month runs or I mean, it's they're they're pretty long and you commute from the city up to Westchester. Two show days are really long there, but I was right out of college. I mean, I just got my equity card and um, was so excited to do cats because I'd had that dream when I was, you know, 15. Uh, And so but I ended up leaving early because I ended up booking another gig and I ended up leaving that contract, but I did go on for, for Monkestrap, I think twice actually. 
So then how long was it before your second run at the, was it the Walnut Street Theater as Skimble Shacks? How long between, between the two? So that was like 2002, I guess, at Westchester. And then 2004 was Walnut Street. So about two years later. And what were you, were you told anything different there now that you're Skimble Shanks, you got, you know, you're not playing multiple characters. You got your one role. How much backstory did you kind of come up with in your own mind for this? Well, you know, you actually get most of the backstory from the cast because with cats being what it is and the amount of material movement wise you have to learn, they always bring people in who've done the show before and they'll tell you like, this is who I, Jenny Annie Dots is this to this person. And so you get a lot of it from the cast and then stuff that I had remembered from doing it before. So I'm trying to remember, but you know, I, I will say this. I Cats is one of those shows you learn from the outside in. A lot of shows you learn from the inside out. Like here's why we're telling the story. Cats, you learn the movement, you learn the music, and then slowly you start to figure things out in between. Um, and I feel like, I feel like there was just like, it's hard to explain how you learn backstory when they're just trying to teach you, like you're going to paw here and you're going to jump there, you know? (laughs) So it's interesting you say it that way because that's why I feel like it was written, which is like someone decided they wrote, they were a DJ and wrote all the songs and had a couple like really great dance ideas. And like, Oh, but none of this makes sense. So let's add a little bit of an arc here to try to tie this together. And it's loose. And so I feel like that I'm, I'm not surprised they taught it to you that way because I think I've thought more about which cats are related to other cats than, than the actual people that created the show. Well, you can't, I mean, it's just, you kind of have to make sense of it when you're doing it. Otherwise, why are you doing it? You know? So everyone just kind of makes sense of it as they go. And then they teach you that like, Hey, this is why I crossed stage right at that moment. It's because I was, made a decision that that's a person and you're like, okay, I guess I'll do that too. And now I'm monkey strap. <laughs> I love how little thought it seems like went into this versus what the super fans and everyone else has clearly like really thought about. And it seems very obvious that all of those fan rumors and everything that's out there is just that from fans and not from actual. We thought that old Deuteronomy is the father of this particular cat. And this one's definitely owned by the landlord and all these other pieces. I think it's, it's so much up for interpretation that when you're in the dinner theater, it's just like, just go out there and dance. Like don't, don't worry about the rest of it. Yeah. But I, you know, that's the fans are what make things shine. You know, I mean, I remember, yeah, I'm a huge Disney nerd. Right. And like you go to Disneyland and go to haunted mansion and it's a super fun experience, but people will tell you this whole storyline about how the haunted mansion is run by this guy, Mr. Gracie and the names of the ghosts are this. And like Disney never did that. That's all the fans like, and, but fans are like die hard. They will make that work. And I feel like it's the same thing with cats. It's like, it's so much more fun to do it for those people who are invested in you than the people eating the peach melba. (laughs) People there for dinner, the ones that brought their kids and have no interest in seeing it. So how much as you know, you've been very successful in a lot of different shows and been on Broadway and how much 
is this cat's influence not just you but like the broadway community like it's definitely one of the longest running shows and it's got all of this kind of this fame and history and the butt end of a lot of jokes but but from an artistic standpoint like what does having that on your resume kind of do for you as as a performer well i think that I, I think Jillian, I think what makes Kat so brilliant is Jillian Lynn's choreography. And personally, she, I think she really is the heart of that show. And so I think any, if you have cats on your resume, I think Jillian Lynn, uh, rest her soul. I, I got to work with her in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang as well was, was a genius. And, and I think having that on your resume as a movement, as a dancer and a storyteller and a theater person that says a lot about your ability to be a dancer and your ability to tell a story while dancing. Um, I think that, you know, I also think that the Angeloid Weber, Cameron Macintosh, like that world, um, just like Disney on Broadway, there's like a little family in there and there's people who, who I worked on those shows with who still run that organization that I still stay in touch with. And it, you kind of become a part of that little network and that little family of people. And to me, that's what makes Broadway so special as a community. Yeah. So I felt you can feel that the more I've been kind of in this little realm of my, my part of this community, you can definitely feel that, but is it, is it amplified with, with cats or is it just, you know, part of the Broadway, you know, it's just part of the Broadway community. I think it's just a separate, it's its own little experience. I mean, anytime you talk to someone who's done cats, you can literally go, Oh my God, you did cats. Who were you? Did you do that part where this happened? And did you, you know, Oh my God. And like, it's just like, if you do a course line, it's the same thing. Like I've been, I've done a course line like five times and I've played somebody else. And so my relationship to, when I played Bobby to Sheila, anyone I meet who's played Sheila, I'm like, I was Bobby. And she's like, Oh my God. And no one watching the show would know what that means. But for us having done it, it's the, it's the same experience. One of the things I will say about cats that I, I think I share with every single person I ever meet who's done the show is how good our bodies looked when we did that show, <laughs> because you're just so active. I mean, I was, snatched when I did that show. <laughs> it's, I mean, it is a, when I left the first time I saw it, it was one of the things I, I like thought about was that looked like an, a workout. Yeah. Like an was, extreme workout. I was in such good shape because you're using every part of your body and your stamina for singing while you're doing all that dancing. It's, it's amazing. It's a yeah, great it workout. Nonstop too. I mean, just, I think that should be a workout. The cats. Through. Get your cat's body or cat's body workout or something yeah. like that. I'm sure someone's doing dance numbers from from there. Sure. Yeah. So I want to ask you, and I, I don't know if you, how much you'll remember from this, but I usually like to go into the rumor mill of your characters. So I have not talked a ton about Skimbleshanks besides hmm. the episode I did on him. And so I'm curious if I, as you're learning it from the, what is it, from the outside in, do any of these rumors hold merit with your productions? So the Let's first see, I'll one see what is, I can remember. Yeah. The first one is, is that there's a relationship with Jenny Annie dots. Um, I, I've always thought of Skimble Shanks as gay. Okay. So what I remember if his relationship with Jenny Annie dots was more like sibling. Cause they're both like tabby cats. Brother, sister. That okay, so, so that would make that would make sense, but then that would that would ruin this. Well, no, it wouldn't. Is that your Rumple Teaser's uncle? 
that's the other rumor that's out there. Yeah, he was the uncles of the kittens. I remember that being okay. So there, that, that is that was given to you. Yeah, I remember that. Like we're sort of the uncles of the the kittens, and it wasn't just Rumple. It was like, um, the, what was the the one who sings Moonlight? Da, da, da. Uh, the the other like little bitty the kittens he's like the uncle of both of them and it was constantly like trying to get them to stop playing and trying to get them to stop okay. goofing around okay so that that holds some that holds some merit then the other one is that there's the would, would support your argument is that there is some relationship with tucker yeah i mean i don't see how that I mean, maybe, but I not an not that was not told to me, and that was not something I ever played because I always thought of Tugger, Tugger, and like Skimble such a neat, nice and neat and like orderly cat that I don't think he'd ever want to hang out with Tugger. I think I always remember him being kind of annoyed by Tugger because Tugger was so rambunctious. That's the opposites attract type of mindset, though. I think that's where that kind of comes from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, it's a choice. That's not a choice I made. <laughs> there's there's a lot of op- options here. And, you know, once you start really tying them together, it's like, well, they all can't be true because then there'd be too many cross paths here. Where's, where are about... the lyrics? Where are the lyrics that support this? That's what I want. Oh, there's, there's no lyrics supporting almost anything that I've argued. <laughs> the lyrics don't help most of my cases. Okay. Uh, but... I want to know a little bit. So again, my frame of reference is just the 2016 production, which I saw it twice and the 1998 movie and nothing else. I guess the new movie, if you want to count that. Oof. So I vividly remember the Skimble Shanks performance the first time I saw it, because at first I'm like, this is incredible. They're building a train. I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> then the light at the top of the train gets pointed out to the audience and decided to point it right at me. And I was like blinded for a second. And I was sitting there going like, why did they just shine a giant light directly at me as it's moving as part of the song? So I almost walked out a little angry at Skimble Shanks' song. But now I'm like envisioning somebody in the audience at that dinner theater and you're at the, someone's at the, I don't forget who it is, whether it's, it's Mustafa's or monkey trap or somebody's at the top and all of a sudden they point the light out and now someone's just eating the, their dessert. Did you build like, was that part of your number in the dinner yeah. theater? Mm-hmm. Building the train. Yeah. And we, did you we point the light out to the crowd. Um, no, I, but no, because I never went on for skimble at the dinner theater. Uh, okay. I did skimble at, at, at Walnut, but I don't remember the light ever going out into the audience. I remember it going sort of at an angle, but, but you know, cats are mean and cats are, I, I'll tell you that. Can I just tell you, this is totally kind of off topic, but that like being a cat in the audience, because you know, when they have to go through the audience, right? Yeah. And scare, scare the life out of children. Right. So there's those things, but then also like people would, I remember we were collecting for Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS and I'm standing in my skimble costume in the lobby with a bucket and people were like, can I pet you? <laughs> That's a little one awkward. La- one lady asked, can I touch your butt? I was well, like, I mean, you said, you said it yourself. You were in <laughs> peak shape. 
<laughs> well, I was, but I was like, I said, I remember saying, no, I'm not no, a real, no. I'm not a real yeah. cat. Like I'm, I'm a person. <laughs> like, yeah. The pet pet, petting is weird. <laughs> That's the whole thing. That whole thing is weird, but I'm sure it's like, it happens probably all the time. Oh, I, I mean, if you're out in the lobby, you're just kind of asking for it. But like, I remember that, you know, you go and you shine the, the, the lights with the, at the at the beginning and so we liked picking on the audience so maybe somebody just wanted to pick on you that at that performance of cats i it could have been i was definitely um i had to have had a dumbfounded look on my face the entire time <laughs> but i wasn't on the aisle so i and i'm kind of glad because i i was not prepared for the green eyes at the beginning with the cats in the audience i was i was actually really impressed by the set when I walked in, I was spending so much time like looking around all the different things in the set, and then all of a sudden lights went off, and there's a cat right to my right, and I was just like so thankful there were two people in between me and the aisle, because I was not prepared for for that experience. <laughs> so, I want to talk. I want to do a little rapid fire, and then I do want to talk my my thesis of of your take on Grizabel being the choice. But I want to okay. go through a couple things with the. Um, with with the show so you've played a handful of different cats but if there's one that you could they're going to go back on broadway which which track would you want to be doing full-time monkey strap i like to play Monk that strap. okay what's your favorite and least favorite cat oh god um uh, uh alonzo why um like he's my probably my my least favorite and my favorite cat um i think i really love jenny any dots yeah great it's a great number and the tap dance is really impressive it's always kind of it's one i think i underappreciated when i saw it and then yeah. as i've watched more i'm like this is this is good not the movie version the, the music no. version. yes correct favorite song i mean you can't go wrong with memory it's classic yeah i mean it's the only one i knew going in if you were quarantined with one of the cats, which one? <laughs> um, um, probably Mistopheles. Yeah, I think that's the only, that's the clear answer. Right? There's a couple he, you could yeah. argue, but he can make anything out of anything. So exactly, and magic all day. And all then, day. okay, this one I have to explain. Um, but I learned that there's a thing called Cats Tumbler from uh, a fan who's part of it and it's like it's super it's super interesting and super cool like the way cats lives on beyond you know the, the theater but they have interactions as if they're writing the character outside of cats but as the character so different you know different scenes so if you could write a character if you were going to take over a character and take them out of the cat's universe but into the real world and you were writing as the scenes and having interactions with other cats which one would you want to write? Um, uh, 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 Caracopat. Ooh, why? Just random choice. Because because Caracopat is not a fully fleshed out care like doesn't get a full real experience in the show and deserves it. So you would be you'd be telling the story for the first time, the untold mm -hmm. story. Okay, that's that's interesting. I, I always stick with McCavity there because I would want to just be able to do and break every law and kind of I think it'd be fun to write that character of just not having to follow any any rules and directions and just being kind of the antagonist the entire time. I like that. <laughs> okay, so now 
the million dollar question. I've argued that I don't think Grizabella is the right choice to die at the end of the musical. And so I'm curious, do you agree with me? And if you agree with me, who would you, who would you choose? And if you want to defend Grizabella, give me the defense of Grizabella in your eyes. Mm, I, I mean, I don't, I, I would probably say I, I agree with you. I think, I feel like Gus should go Team up. Gus, layer. Right. Such a, he such really- a obvious, I think, defense for Gus. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's earned it. He was fire for fiddle, the, the fiend of the fell. I mean, he's, he's ready. Yeah. I, so <laughs> I, I agree. Um, does it bother you as much as it bothers me that uh, Bell wins? No, clearly not. <laughs> no, no, but I will. Can I just tell you, there's a story that somebody I did the show with who did it, had done it on probably told me about how they would, prep to do green eyes before the show and you could hear the audience right from where they were and that there was these you i don't know if you've heard the story and if somebody's told told you the story you can delete it i don't think i have that there were these two ladies old ladies new york ladies sitting in the front row and they could hear them before the show and they and she says to her friend have you seen this show before and her friend says no she goes oh it's so good there's all these cats and they go to this party and at the end of the party they take this old cat and they blow her through the roof <laughs> such a simplified explanation <laughs> of like just so simple i i mean that that's hard i mean how could you not join her for that right i really so be like they blow her through the roof <laughs> that is phenomenal that is, you know, honestly, it's, it is one of the cleanest and clearest explanations of the show I've heard. That's that's it. And then you can start the show now. There you go. Yeah, you can start the show. I mean, and you, that's the that's the elevator pitch. That's yep. the hook. It's like, hey, why do you want to go see it? Big party, blow her through the roof. We're done. We're done. Let's go home. That's uh, amazing. So, tell me about the the Broadway Life Coach. Oh, sure. Yeah, I. I work on the side as I'm certified life coach. And of course, since the pandemic, so many of the people in our community are really struggling to figure out what's next. And it's become a huge project of mine to help people during this time. So I started a Broadway face, a Broadway life coach, Facebook group where we offer what I call Broadway life support to help people get through this time. So if anybody is looking for some support and some coaching, come check out broadwaylifecoach.com. Amazing. And how else can we find you on the social medias? Oh, I'm on all the socials. You can come find me on <laughs> social media, on Instagram, on YouTube, on Facebook at Brett Shuford. It's Brett with one T, Shuford. Amazing. Uh, it's, it's great when they're all the same. It makes it so much easier. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, th- Thank you so much for joining me, indulging these cats conversations. I love reminiscing it. about the dinner theater. I'm sure you're craving that dessert, ready oh, to go. Peach just, Melba. I should make like a YouTube video about making a peach melba. Yeah, you're you're ready to go. Thanks for listening to this episode with Brett Schufer on the Wrong Cat Died, the podcast breakdown of the cat's catastrophe. Follow along. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Wrong Cat Died, or check out our website, TheWrongCatDied.com.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.